Okay, the message that Brother Dave requested was three dead ants. The story is told of a pallet shop that built pallets to the specs of their customers, and they had a lot of different customers. And some of these pallets would go out to wood, uh, to food companies, and they expected high-quality pallets and workmanship. One day the pallet shop sent 510 pallets to the food company. And the food company called the pallet shop after they saw the pallets, and they said they're going to reject the whole load of pallets. And they said they were infested with ants. And so the pallet company asked, are they alive or dead? And how many ants are they? And the food company said they found three ants in the whole load and they were dead. The pallet shop said that that proves that their heat uh, treating machine is working. But the food company said they're returning the whole load because they don't accept ants, dead or alive. So they had to reload the whole load and send them back to the pallet company. Imagine, 510 pallets rejected because of three dead ants. And I was thinking, how do we apply that to our lives? You know, if we do 510 good deeds... Will that not hide three small sins in our lives? So in the message this morning, I want to look at three different areas. They, they appear innocent in the beginning, but after a time they can lead us into sin. The first one is neglect. If we neglect our, in our spiritual lives, we become careless, indifferent, not in, diligent in the things of God. The second one is contentment or discontent. You know, not being content can lead us into covetousness, which can lead us into sin of getting things that should not belong to us for our spiritual good. And the third area that I want to look at is good intentions. You know, we all have good intentions. Like, well, we would like to talk to people more about the Lord. Or when we get our place and our debts paid for, we can give more in the offering. And that kind of logic. But be careful in these three areas. So the first one I want to look at is neglect, and, and that verse, if you want a verse to think about as a text verse, it says from Hebrews 12, 1, let us lay aside every weight. Now see, neglect, 
Um, and uh, <clears throat> discontentment and good intentions can be a weight. And then that can lead us into sin, which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And I'll turn to a few verses. Uh, Hebrews 2, 3 talks about neglect. So maybe I'll read Hebrews 2, 1 to 3. Therefore, we ought to give the earnest heed to all things, to the things which we have heard, lest any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard it. And I think for most of us, neglect is something that's not intentional. It just somehow shows up in our lives. You know, if you want to think, let me mention a couple of our baptismal vows. And... um, We need to pay attention to that because that is the basis of uh, our ongoing salvation. And the first baptismal vow that, that we have is, are you willing, now listen to these five things, are you willing to renounce Satan, the world, the works of darkness, your own carnal will and sinful desires? And you know that was our that was our intent. But how are we doing? The devil tries to work in his ways into our life. <clears throat> and he uses legitimate things in our life. And remember our work our verse talks about the weights. Let us lay aside every weight. You know, cell phones, computers and all that stuff can be a weight, and if it's not used properly, it can lead us into sin. Another baptismal vow is, do you submit yourself to Christ and His Word and faithfully abide in the same till death? So how does neglect affect that area? Well, simply if, if we don't read the Word daily, that can be because of neglect. We get busy. Things come up unexpected. You know, and, and there's people that, that watch our lives. There's people that, uh, okay, and some of you um, know about auto mechanics. I I know an auto mechanic that he says that he can tell whether a person takes care of his car when they bring it to his shop to be worked on, just if it's clean inside. That's all he has to see, is the car clean inside. He knows that they they don't neglect other areas of the vehicle. I also know a used 
auto dealer that buys and sells used cars, and do you know what the first thing he looks at when he looks about buying a vehicle, or, or among the first things, does it have Michelin tires? He says if it has Michelin tires, he knows that the owner is taking care of the vehicle. And, you know, those are just small details, and there's many others. And if, if we neglect certain areas in our life, it will show up. It will cause problems later. And, you know, if we really love the Lord, we want to do His work. We're, we're so blessed with the salvation that He offers. And that, you know, some people neglect giving in the offering. Or they, like I said earlier, when their debts get lower, they can give more. And years ago, in another church, somebody told me, they said, well, he said he was behind in giving in the offering, so he donated a used stove to the kitchen of the church. Well, that that's okay, but but how about the other needs of the church? That can be part of neglect. We may neglect visiting our neighbors or our shut-ins. Because of things of our own interests are crowding out our time to do that. And this can become a weight and drag us down. You know, a number of years ago, my father was in several nursing homes with rehabilitation from surgeries. And we was at this nursing home to see him, but we went down the hall to see somebody else on several occasions. Now, how much effort did that take when we was already there just to go down the hall a couple doors down and visit this other person that we knew? It didn't take much. But years after that, every time he sees me almost, he brings that up. How did he appreciate that we came and visited him? See, that didn't take much effort at all, but that blessed his life. And when we neglect to do little things, uh, it doesn't do anybody any good. And so I challenge us to be careful that we don't neglect important things. Another area we can neglect attending certain services of the church because we decide which ones are more important to us. But remember, when you, you show up at church, you bless other people by your presence. And we can be an encouragement to others. Okay, the next area I want to move into is this area of being content or discontent can lead to, to covetousness. If you want to, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 13. I thought that this is an interesting verse about uh, <clears throat> covetousness. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. 
Well, you know, that, that, that isn't the philosophy of the world we live in today. They want you to be dissatisfied with everything you have so you can buy a new one, so you can get more. But the, look in this verse is why the reason that we can be content, it goes on to say, it's talking about God, our Heavenly Father, it says He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's why we can be content. See, God will supply everything for us. And our discontent can start in small and little ways of lusting for earthly possessions. And the weight can be come like a dead ant that contaminates the shipment of the pallets. You know, I thought about another thing that wasn't in this story, but the food company may have said, well, if we accept this shipment, what about the next shipment we get from them? Maybe they'll have ten ants in that shipment. Maybe five will be dead, and what if there's five alive? And that's the same with sin. There will be no sin in eternity in heaven. And that's why we need to be concerned, even though it's something small. Let me read a few statements that I found on contentment. It says, The hallmark of a man or a woman who has put his affairs into the hands of God. That's a content person. And you can just read Psalm 23 with that in mind. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, he's my shepherd. So then we're content. It says, he restores my soul. That's contentment. And I will fear no evil. That's contentment. And he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's contentment. And you see that principle, we're tempted in that way at times to take care of our own needs and not trust God as much or try to look out for ourselves rather than living in faith. And here's a, a, a quote I found. It says, Contentment comes from feeding at the shepherd's table, loving his word, delighting in his laws, and believing his precious promises. See, we don't need to worry about our future when we're content and when we've turned everything over to our Heavenly Father. And then contentment will keep us from the sins of envy and covetousness. And you've probably heard this phrase that somebody has said if they see somebody with a a vehicle or, or an item that they would really like to have, they said, I wish I had what he had and he had a better one. That that's no good. I mean that's not scriptural. I mean, it sounds like it has a good ring to it, but 
In the end, it's making provisions for the flesh. Thinking about contentment, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I want to read a few verses here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and 12. 6 through 12. And I'll just make some comments as, as we go down through these verses. It said, But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's just a wonderful concept. When you have godliness and contentment together in the same person, so to speak. And it's, it's because of God's power in our lives. And verse 7 is always a, 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 an interesting verse to me. It says, For we brought nothing into this world. Right? It says, So when we were a baby and when we were born... You know, there was no tag along with us. When a baby is born, he's born without nothing. But this verse says that when you leave this world, it is certain that you're not going to take anything with you. And it seems like there's a greater emphasis on leaving this world than there is coming into this world about earthly goods. And so then on that, he's saying, having food and raiment, lest therewith be content. You know, if we have clothes on our back, we have plenty of food to eat, it's possible to be content. And I like to say anything beyond that is God's blessing to us. And we've, we've traveled in other countries and parts of the world where people uh, have very little. But I've observed when I'm in those countries, if, if they have something to eat and they have clothes on their back, they appear to be happy. They're content. And we have a lot to learn from that. <clears throat> then, notice verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation. It does not say those that are rich... It says those that have a hankering to be rich fall into temptation. And it goes on to say that it leads them into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition. And if you follow that logic all the way through, it's simply saying when a person becomes discontent and follows that path, Path, he loses his eternal reward and misses heaven just because he started out being discontent. It says they're drowned in perdition and destruction. So then it comes back to this thing of money. Verse 10 says, The love of money is the root of all evil. And I had a man challenge me one time on that. He said, The Bible says that money is the root of all evil. I said, No, no, it's not money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. 
And it says that some coveted after and they have erred the faith. See, that can be a weight. It's a small thing. But it says after we covet after that, and they, 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 after they have erred from the faith, then it says the next thing, they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And we all heard stories of people that are exceedingly rich are not happy because they face a lot of issues regarded to their wealth. And so the challenge is to us, but thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness and goodness, faith and love, patience and meekness. And fight the good fight of faith, and lay hold on eternal life, whereon thou art called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. And so there, here are some questions that I have that we can ask. Maybe to check up. How Are we covetous? Are we wanting other things? Or what, what's the basis of our evaluation? So the first question I have, this is concerning when we, when we buy something, a product, a house, a farm, or anything, do we always have to have a new one? Now, there are situations where it's, it's the best way to go to have a new one, but do we always have to have a new one? Might be a good question for us to ask. Maybe a used one would be better, and then you could have more money to give to the kingdom of God. Another question to ask, do we always have to have the best brand? Sometimes maybe that is the best, but does it always have to be the best brand? Another question, do we always have to have what our friends approve? That's a touchy one. You know, what are they going to think of me if I buy this off-brand? Or if I have something that others appear substandard? When we make our decisions, how do we arrive at what is the best? You know, do we use God's word as our counsel? Do we use, uh, what, what do we use as our benchmark? And another thought we can uh, ask ourselves, what is, what is manifested in my purchase is it godliness and contentment or is it the desires of the flesh okay the last one i want to look at is good good intentions and good intentions is is an area that we all have problems with from time to time i would think uh, Galatians 6.10 says, As therefore we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those that are of the household of faith. 
So when CAM puts out a plea for help, disaster help, do we say we want to go sometime? But it doesn't suit this time. Now the question is, does that process repeat itself? Over and over again. Now, CAM tells me in the chaplain work that I don't have to say yes when they call me. So see, I'm off the hook. But, you know, it's just something for for, for us to think about. We have good intentions of talking to one of our neighbors about the Lord, but the time... The right time doesn't come. Another one. Do you know a family in your community that has a need and you intend to help them? You would like to help them, but it never happens. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 has a couple verses of admonition for us. Proverbs 3, 27 says, Withhold not good from them to whom it's due, when it is the power of thy hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I'll give thee what thou hast. In other words, he's saying, don't tell your neighbor to come back later or I'll give you something tomorrow. Take care of your neighbor now. You know, some years ago when we were in farming, we had a neighbor that that lived down the road. And uh, he would call me. He was older than I was. And uh, he would call me. And when he called me, and as soon as I answered the phone, I, I knew what his punchline was. It was going to be the same thing every time he called. I, I knew that. And his question was, are you real busy right now? That was the question. So how how should you answer that question? And generally I would try to make plans to go help him on his schedule. I'm not saying I always did, but you know, I always I tried to and sometimes it wasn't convenient. It's like I could raise the question, do you have time to be a good Samaritan? And and when do you have opportunity to be a good Samaritan? Is it when you have plenty of time and nothing's scheduled and you got an opening and everything's just relaxed? No. I think the most of the time when we're called on to help someone else is probably when our agenda or schedule is full and we... Don't think we can squeeze anything else in. But if 
we truly follow God's leading in our life, I think he will make a way. Did you know years ago, one time I was studying for a message, and I got a phone call. And it wasn't this neighbor, but it was somebody else that wanted me to come right away. They were stranded beside the road. And they said, could you come pick me up? And so I went. And I think God supplies those gaps. I mean, if it didn't matter, to me, it didn't matter how long it took to help that person. If I didn't get my studying done for the message, God would undertake this is the way I felt about it. Another thing on good intentions, our rules and disciplines say that it is the privilege of responsibility of members to encourage and to admonishing one another in the walk of discipleship. So here's the situation. You know that you need to talk to somebody in your congregation about something to encourage them or, or whatever, but it just never works out. And you hope that in the meantime that the ministry talks to them instead of you. How about this one? You have a son or a daughter that you intend to talk to about a weakness in their lives, but it doesn't happen, and they get older and more set in, your, in their ways. See, that's good intentions. We have a good intention. We see an opportunity. We see a need. But I guess the devil puts up a block or blinds us. And so if we fail in our good intentions, they can become weights in our lives, as this verse says. And then weights lead us into sin and influence toward others. And I know what I'm talking about when I talk about the son and the daughter when you need to talk to them. And it's not always easy, depending on what the topic is. And, then, and that weight in their lives, if we don't address it, can lead into sin someday. And so, let us take challenge in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So may we live our lives that are pleasing, pure before God that prevents the weights of neglect, discontent, and good intentions from pressuring us into sin that we forfeit our eternal reward.